0: Hello, and welcome to Corbett's Comments. I'm Dr. Otis Corbett, and I invite you to come along with me as I share biblical exposition and commentary. I truly believe that God's Word is one of our greatest helps as we live for Him in the world today. And so, like the psalmist, let us agree to hide His Word in our hearts that we may not sin against Him. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett. And today, I want to share a word about dry bones from Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. This is a sermon I preached at Fairmount Baptist Church on Sunday, January 21st, 2024. I hope it blesses you. This morning, I'd like us to turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. And I want to speak to you this morning about dry bones. I want to share a word this morning about dry bones. Now, we all have times in our lives when we are dry. In fact, uh, in our county last year, fall, well, it was an exceptionally dry period physically in our county. We were in a very difficult drought situation, and it's recently lifted, and next week we're looking forward to some more rain, and that's a good thing. But even right now, as we've had this cold snap that has come through this January, um, when the cold comes, generally speaking, the humidity drops again. And so we've got stuffy noses and cracked uh, skin on our fingers and, and maybe on our toes. And, and it's a, a, a dry time. And we all go through dry times spiritually as well. And sometimes we have some surprising events that happen during those dry times. I have a friend in seminary. He's still my friend, uh, a pastor in South Alabama. His name is Roger. And Roger, when we were in seminary, were members of the same church. I was a volunteer staff member there, and he was directing a ministry to Portuguese-speaking people in New Orleans. There were a number of those back in the 1980s, and he was a, a MK. His parents were a missionary kid. A missionary. He was a missionary kid. He grew up Learning Portuguese and um, sometimes I think Roger was a little more fluent in Portuguese than he was in English, but I love Roger and I kid him about those things from time to time. But one time he decided, along with our pastor, to have a joint communion service for the Portuguese speaking people in our that city and our church. And Roger wanted it to be a very nice time, so he wanted to use a common loaf for the For the Lord's Supper service. And so early that week, maybe maybe Monday probably, he went and bought a loaf of French bread. Now, New Orleans has wonderful French bread. It's very tasty, uh, but it has some peculiar properties, unlike the French bread you find in the stores around here. And you'll find out what that is. And he wanted to make sure that that French bread was preserved uh, until the Sunday when he was going to have the Lord's Supper. And so he put it in his refrigerator. You ladies are smiling already. You know what's coming. So what happened in that refrigerator, like outside today, it was cold. In fact, it was was colder outside today than it was in their refrigerator and probably drier too. But in their refrigerator, it was cold and it was dry. And that crusty, already dry French bread desiccated. Desiccated to where it was sort of like a big pretzel, almost, in its dryness. And so that next Sunday night, he got it out, brought it to church, and had it on the Lord's table. And during this effort of having a nice, solemn, beautiful Lord's Supper, he blessed the bread, he picked it up, and he broke it, and it sounded like a shotgun going (laughs) off in our church. It snapped like an explosion, and it was so hard not to laugh, but we tried. We did. We did okay, but that wasn't the effect that Roger was looking for. That dryness had crept in, and it was, (laughs) it it had an unexpected effect. Now, with all of us, we can get dry in our lives like that loaf of French bread did. In our churches, we can get dry like that loaf of French bread did. And here's the thing we need to understand. We'll see here in a minute. This is a common occurrence. This is nothing that God is surprised about when we get dry. But when we get dry, there are some lessons we can learn from God's word the same way that Roger learned that lesson uh, about French bread, and a refrigerator. And we want to see that from Ezekiel chapter 37 this morning, beginning in verse 1. The Word of God says, "...the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones." And he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And so I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. Ezekiel was a wise man. He knew where all the knowledge was and all the wisdom was. It was in God. And he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as it was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, I looked, the sinews of the flesh came upon them and the skin covered over them, but there was no breath in them. Also he said unto me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and, the, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceedingly great, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Indeed, oh, excuse me. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and performed it, says the Lord. Father, we pray your blessings on us now. As on this dry and cold morning, we look at your word, and we see what you can do with dry bones. We pray, Father, that you do it again with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, it's a common experience for God's people all through the generations to sometimes get dry bones, sometimes feel dry in their spirits. Many reasons that can happen, But but the fact is, it does happen, and we need to be prepared for the day when it does. And what does the Word of God tell us about that experience? The first thing He tells us is that when we get dry, God wants us to learn. When we get dry, God wants us to learn. Now, it's instructive about where the Lord brought Ezekiel. Ezekiel, of course, was in captivity. He was prophesying to the children of Israel, the the children of Judah, the land of Judah that had been taken into captivity into Babylon. As I said, they, they felt cut off. They felt hopeless and helpless and hapless, and they needed some encouragement. And so where did God take Ezekiel? Did he take him back to Jerusalem? No, he didn't take him to Jerusalem. Did he take him back to the temple? No, he didn't take him to the temple. Did he take him to the mountaintop? No, he didn't take him to the mountaintop. Actually, he took him down into a valley. Now, valleys, in our minds, are beautiful places, and they can be. Back when I was a state missionary... Working uh, uh, across the state of Alabama, I actually had to go up to northeast Alabama to a, a church to do a consultation. And to get there, I had to get off the interstate and drive U.S. Highway 11 up in that part of Alabama. U.S. Highway 11 goes through a valley. It's a broad, deep, wide valley with farms on both sides of the road and you can see across the valley up to the hills and it is beautiful. A fertile valley. But valleys, while they can be lovely, valleys are dangerous. They're dangerous because militarily, if you are in the valley, people can look down and see you. Any amateur uh, uh, military strategist knows that you need to take the high ground. Now, what the strategist forgets is the high ground usually doesn't have water, so the logistician has to figure out a way to get the water there, but that's beside the point. Most people, when they see a valley, oh, how beautiful is this valley? But valleys are dangerous, and this valley was full of bones. Now here's the thing, God's children cannot live always on the mountaintop. There is no water on the mountaintop. Uh, there is no place to grow crops on the mountaintop. You can't have cattle on the mountaintop, but you don't have a chance to have a lot of cattle on the mountaintop. And and God's people don't live on the mountaintop. Think of Sarah promised a child, but barren until she was so old. She said that she was dried up on the inside. And she said, not only am I dried up, but my man's dried up too. Both of them. Uh, uh, Joseph was in Egypt. He was in sold into slavery. He was actually in a pit, literally in a pit, pulled out, sold into slavery. One pastor has preached a series of sermons about Joseph, and he said every time something bad happened to Joseph, uh, the scriptures tell us that God was with Joseph. And this pastor said, you know, do you think every now and then Joseph maybe looked around and said, God, can you go be with somebody else? change?'" <laughs> Moses was the prince of Egypt, but he wound up on the backside of the desert tending his father-in-law's sheep, not his own sheep. He was tending his father-in-law's sheep. David was the anointed king of Israel, but he was being persecuted by Saul such that at one point he had to act like he was crazy and he had to go hide in caves. In the New Testament, we see Jairus' sick daughter. We see Lazarus, the, the one whom Jesus loved. We don't know anything about Lazarus. He married Martha's brother. He died, was put in a, a a tomb. We know this. He was the one that Jesus loved. Like John. And yet he still wound up in a tomb. Of course, we all do anyway if we don't get raptured. There was the woman with the issue of blood. There was Peter who after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection went back to fishing. I mean, that's the thing that people do when you're struggling. You go with what you know. I can't deal with it. He's like that old hippie. He don't know what to do. <laughs> should he hang on to the old or should she grab onto the new? Well, he wants to grab on to the old. But these desert times are not wasted because we can learn in these desert times. Moses learned how to be a shepherd so that he could shepherd the children of Israel across the dry ground. Joseph learned that God was faithful to him and that God was going to preserve him and that God was going to make him a leader, and he did. There's just so many different things. And as we learn, we learn to be humbled. Moses was proud, but he was humbled. He chastens us. The Scriptures say the one whom He loves, He chastens. If you want to love your children, discipline them. If you want to hate your children, let them go do what they want to do. God uses these experiences to harden us. To make us stronger. To make us more resilient. You know, concrete is one of the most brilliant, useful construction tools. But it takes time for that concrete to dry. You've got to let it dry. So, what was God teaching Ezekiel, and what does he teach us today? Well, He wants us to learn. What does He want us to learn? Well, first of all, He wants us to learn when we get dry, we need to lean on Him. Now think about these bones. These bones were not just dry, but the scriptures tell us that they were very dry. Every year my wife and I, uh, almost every year, make something of a pilgrimage to the Alabama Shakespeare Festival in Montgomery, and we see a Christmas Carol. And this year, she, after seeing The Christmas Carol, she actually bought the book. And the first lines of the book are, are very interesting because it says, Marley was dead. There's no question about it, Marley was dead. In fact, he was as dead as a doornail. Well, these bones were dry. They were desiccated. They were sun-bleached. You, you didn't need to try to do CPR on these bones because there wasn't anything to inflate. You, you don't need to get out the uh, automatic electronic defibrillator and stick it on there and shock them back to life because there's no heart to beat. These bones were dry and they were dead. And these bones signified the children of Israel. They were in captivity. As I said, their hope was cut off in their minds. They were hapless, helpless, and hopeless. They were just dry as dead bones. What happens when you are dead and dry? Well, you have to lean on God. This is why you have to lean on God, because you cannot help yourself. When we are dry, we are are hopeless and helpless. If we are dry without Jesus, we're actually dead people walking. The thing about a dead person is they cannot help themselves. And here's something else about a dead person. We can't help them either. We can't help a dead person. Now, someone whose heart has stopped, who's still alive, we can help that person. We can shock them. Somebody who's who's not breathing, we can give them mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. We can do those things. Somebody who's bleeding, we can put a Band-Aid on them and we can put a tourniquet on them and we can help them. But when they're dead, they're beyond our help. And these bones were dead. And the only hope for these bones was God. So what did God say to the children of Israel? Listen to Jeremiah 30, beginning in verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Write in a book all these words I have spoken to you. For behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people, Israel and Judah, says the Lord, and I will bring them back to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall take possession of it. Then Jeremiah 31, beginning in verse 31, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, For this covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. So when we are dry, we need to learn And the first thing we need need to learn is we need to lean on God. Because we, when we are dry, cannot help ourselves. We need God's help. But we need to learn something else. When we get dry, we need to let God have his way. What did God tell Ezekiel to do? He said, stand in this bone, uh, dry valley of bones and preach God's word, my word, to these bones. Now, God often asks people to do strange things. Think about it. Think about it. What, God asks us to get up on a cold Sunday morning and come down to a church and to sing Together. That's sort of strange. Where else do you do that without alcohol? (laughs) And we're Baptists, so we don't have alcohol. Where else do you do that without being lubricated first? It just doesn't happen. God asks us to give 10% of our income to the work of the ministry of the church. And he asks us to smile when we do it. God asks us to go and share with our neighbors the word of God. That's strange. Does God not know that in every house in Alabama there's a big dog and a bigger gun? Does he not know that? I tell you what, to to be a FedEx or UPS driver in Alabama, you have to have a certain amount of intestinal fortitude. I'm telling you, in, 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 in rural Alabama. Uh, in fact, we had one lady leave us a note in our mailbox that said, there's a big dog on your porch and you're going to have to come get this package. <laughs> it was a sweet dog, but it was big. But anyway, so God has to, tells us to do strange things. He told Abraham to leave Iraq, his hometown, and to go to a place where he was going to show him later. He told Sarah and Abraham, that they were going to have a baby. As old as they were, that was not physically possible, but God told them that was going to happen. And probably Sarah didn't want it to happen, to be honest. At that point, she said, I'm good, Lord. He told Joseph, who was in prison, he was going to be a great leader. He was in a prison in another country, and he was going to be a great leader. He told Moses how to deliver his people out of a burning bush. He told Joshua how to conquer Jericho. Now, I'm a retired army chaplain. I have been to many, many briefings of many, many different operations. I have written uh, portions of those orders as pertains to chaplains. And I have never been to a briefing like the one Joshua gave the children of Israel before the battle of Jericho. So, guys, what we're going to do is we're going to walk around this place for six days. Once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, we're going to walk around it seven times. We're going to get you really going to get your PTN on that day. We're going to walk around seven times. And then we're going to blow some horns and, and do some things. And, and the walls are going to fall, and we're going to rush in and take the place. And all God's people said, What you smoking, boy? <laughs> I have never heard of a briefing like that. God's people need to just understand that God does unusual things to us. And what did Ezekiel do? He obeyed the Lord. Did it make sense for Ezekiel to preach to those dry bones? No, it didn't. He already knew they were dead. Marley was dead. He was dead as a doornail. These bones were dry. They were very dry. And Ezekiel was told, go preach to him. Okay, Lord. Now, we know Billy Graham testified that he learned to preach by preaching to trees. He went out into the forest and preached to trees, learning how to preach. And and, and that's fine. But he also didn't expect anything out of those trees. I mean, he didn't expect the trees to, to get saved. But Ezekiel was expecting something to happen here. It was a strange situation. And so when we get dry, God wants us to learn. He wants us to understand things about ourselves and our relationship to Him. He wants us to lean on Him because when we're dry, we really can't help ourselves. We need the Holy Spirit to enliven us and build us back up. But being dry is no excuse for not serving God. Our God is the sovereign God of the universe. When he says go, we need to go. When he says do, we need to do. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Ezekiel must have felt silly, but he did it anyway. And when God's people obey God, We see that Abraham became the father of a great nation. We see that Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt. Saved the whole known world at that point from famine. We we see uh, uh, Moses taking his people to the promised land. We see Joshua helping Israel, leading Israel to possess the promised land. We see David becoming the king of Israel. We see Peter becoming a great leader in the church. And here's what we need to see as well. When we get dry, God gives us life. When we get dry, God wants to give us life. Ezekiel preached to those bones and they started to come together. It's like that old Negro spiritual with knee bone connected to the leg bone and all that kind of stuff. Now, I don't understand why God had to have uh, this organized he organized it this way he didn't have to have it this way he wanted it this way i don't know why he organized it this way but he and i think maybe i do but he had a two phase situation here the bodies came back together but they were still dead what did they need they needed the spirit of god in their life you can be alive physically and we all need to do better job of taking our care of our bodies. The older I get, the more important that becomes to me. But our bodies are not enough. We have to have the spirit of God in our lives. A mannequin looks like a real person, but it isn't a real person. You, you know, on the On the Internet now, we have avatars and we have uh, uh, the deep fakes where there are people that are made to look like other people, but they're not real. The founder of Facebook wanted us to sort of uh, all become part of some uh, fake Internet based virtual reality, but that's not real. What's real is us sitting here this morning. What's real is us going back home to our homes and our families after this church. Going to work or school tomorrow or just getting up and taking care of our chores. We can be physically alive but spiritually dead. But God offers us that spiritual life. And God is the one that can make dry bones live. Now, this happens two different ways. For those of us who have never had Jesus come into our life, uh, when we do that, we have God's Spirit come into us and we become alive again. Everyone in the world today except Christians who have Jesus in their hearts are dead people walking and they need the Spirit of God blown into them through the work of Jesus Christ. And he offers that to them. But those of us who are in Christ, we too can sometimes feel like we have dry bones. As Gary Miller, pastor at Westview Baptist Church, and he's my pastor, he says, the reason why we need to ask for the filling of the Spirit is because it leaks out of us. And so we need to be filled with the Spirit time and again. Not baptized with the Spirit. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the presence of God and us walking in cooperation with Him. But there are times that we just get dry. Let me close by telling you a story. Robert Jackson was my first director of missions when I was a pastor in West Alabama in Monroeville. Actually, he was actually it's a Monroe, uh, the Bethlehem Baptist Association out in Monroeville and Monroe County. But Robert, before he became director of missions, was pastor of a large church. It was a growing church. It was a blowing and going church. I mean, he was a great preacher. The work was going well. Everything was wonderful. And then he had a heart attack. And not just a mild heart attack. He had one of those heart attacks where his doctor said, if you don't stop preaching and if you don't slow down and if you don't do something with less stress, you are going to die. And so he had to resign from his church, and he was called to little old association of just a, a, a two or three no, three dozen churches in Southwest Alabama, where not much was going on and and nothing was there, and 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 he started to minister in that place. Now he wasn't supposed to do it, but he would fill the pulpit. He wasn't supposed to do it, but he would arrange vacation mission, vacation Bible school. He wasn't supposed to do it, but he was active. Uh, shepherding the pastors in that association. And as he did that, his desire to be a pastor grew again, and he grew and grew. And one day, this little church on the wrong side of a creek up in Tennessee came to call upon Robert Jackson. And they called him to be the pastor of this little church, this nice, quiet little church on the wrong side of a creek. And so Robert answered that call, and he went up to be the pastor of this nice, quiet little church. And guess what? As he preached and as he led and as the Lord used his ministry and not just his ministry, but the ministry of the church, uh, people started getting saved. Church members started to minister into the community and, and they started going on mission trips and people started coming. And you know what? That little church on the wrong side of a creek in Tennessee became bigger than the church that Robert left because of his heart attack. When we get dry, it's not the end. When we get dry, it's just a time to learn. It's a time to lean on God. It's a time to uh, uh, let God have his way. And in the end, God will give us life. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. Let me tell you, Not all of us will experience that kind of abundant life on a daily basis while we're here physically on the earth. We have challenges. This world is not what it's supposed to be totally. But you know what we can do? We can rest on the promise that in the hereafter, we will all have that abundant life. The the dry bone disease that we have as humans will continue. It's a chronic illness. Sometimes it becomes acute and sometimes it's just in remission. But always when we learn and lean and let God have his way, he will give us life in his timing. And we can always trust in that. The children of Israel were hapless, helpless, and hopeless. Their hope was cut off, but in Christ our hope is never cut off. No matter how dry we may feel, there's always the breath of God through the Holy Spirit to encourage us, to lead us, to enliven us, and give us an abundant life. Father, we thank you for your word today. And we pray you bless us as we have a time of invitation. Help us to realize this morning that no matter how dry we feel, we might feel just like that old baguette that my friend Roger broke in that worship service. But Father, you can enliven us, you can refresh us, and you offer it to us if we learn from it, if we lean on you, if we let you have our way, you will give us life. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon to comment on more scripture that we can consider together to help us in our everyday lives. Every blessing. I'm Dr. Otis Corbett.